Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's Front Page Radio, and my special guest is Scott M. Marshall, who has written a book called Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life. Scott, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Now, Scott, I must tell you that I first heard about Dylan becoming a believer uh, many years ago when I was on the Trans-Siberian Express from Moscow to Akutsk in Siberia, and I shared a compartment with a gentleman who whose full-time job was um, promotion at Warner Brothers, and he had just sat next to Bob Dylan in the discipleship class of that um, church that Bob was going to. used to be a Calvary, was now a vineyard, and um, he was telling me how the Bob Dylan would come in every day with his uh, his notebook and his uh, and his pen, and he was like a little kid. He said he he, he was almost. Like for the first time for years, Bob Dylan had become a human being again instead of a superstar. And so I, I found out about it in that extraordinary way. How did you find out about Bob Dylan's spiritual side? Well, first let me ask you, was that uh, man Ken Gullickson? Well, Ken Gullickson was the pastor of the church, and um, Ken's a good friend of mine, but uh, he, the, the gentleman who was actually sitting next to him was a member of the congregation. He, he probably wouldn't want me to give his name, but ah, he, wor- he worked at Warner Brothers, and um, I, I also um, then interviewed um, Ken Gullickson. I was working for a British tabloid then, Scott, and uh, they flew me over to interview Ken on Santa Monica Beach, all about the story of Bob Dylan and um, what had happened. It was quite extraordinary. And uh, so I've always been fascinated. And I was even on the American Troubadour um, two-hour documentary that was done on uh, the you know the biography uh, uh, series on Dylan. <laughs> they, but Ken Gullickson wouldn't come on it. So they put me in as the token Christian. Well, I, I remember seeing you, actually. I want to say that was around the year 2000, but I do know that in one of the first major, really the first full biography of Dylan, which was published in 86 by the late Robert Shelton, uh, close readers will note in one of his endnotes to one of the final chapters, uh, he cites Buzz Magazine and oh. uh, the interview you did with Ken Gullickson. Wow. I've never been able to get a hold of that copy of that magazine, but I'm I'm aware of it. Yeah, it's been closed for years, unfortunately. But, yes, that was a fascinating time. It was in a Christian publication. Buzz was a music magazine in England, and my paper, The Sunday People, was a scandal paper, and... Uh, I finally become totally respectable, Scott. But uh, in those days, I managed to get the interview be- with um, uh, with Ken because of Al Kasha, who I'm sure you know all about as well. Mm-hmm. And that was where Dylan actually wrote, I believe, "Slow Train Coming" at his home. But uh, so, right? Uh, well, well no, I just I just wanted to tell you that I was definitely aware of your presence over 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 the time regarding this story, but. But the way I, I got in was actually 
1979, when this was happening, I was just a 12-year-old kid who was listening mainly to Casey Kasem. So it wasn't until <laughs> I was wasn't until the mid 80s I became aware of Dylan, and I became a I you know greatly appreciated his music. But it wasn't until sometime later into the 90s when I had my own experience that I began to be uh, extremely curious about what had happened to Dylan during the the so-called gospel period, and that's. Uh, Besides, of course, having the music, I, that's when I embarked on basically just trying to, you know, track down anything I could print-related that uh, either touched on this story or focused on this story, and that's how I kind of got in, and I and I more or less came up with this uh, this notion that Dylan somehow just had a religious period and he had gotten over it. Uh, I mean, at least that was kind of the conventional thing that just seemed like some writers tended to repeat, And but when I actually read a number of interviews that Dylan had done down the years, as well as just kind of looking at his songs and uh, songs he played on stage, I, a different different story emerged, yeah, for me I, anyway. La- last time I interviewed Al Kasha, and many will know that uh, Al Kasha is a double Oscar winner, and uh, he had a Bible study, and he said that uh, Dylan would regularly come to the Bible study and sit on the front row. And on one occasion, he um, got Dylan to pray the sinner's prayer there at the Bible study. I'm sure you've got many other types of stories like that. But um, I asked him, is Bob Dylan still a Christian? Because Bob, you know, he's this mysterious person. And he said he's never, as you have just said, he's never publicly renounced his faith. And he believes he's still a follower of Christ. Is that, that that's your view as well? Indeed. I just, uh, I mean, I do not know the man, but just uh, from what the public record provides, and it's pretty extensive, I mean, in terms of also, in other words, for those who uh, think that he, well, first of all, it's certainly uh, untrue that he renounced his faith in Jesus or anything like that, and yet that's, uh, that's printed uh to this day, uh, I found it in a evangelical encyclopedia. Uh, there's a guy who's a, a writer, James Carroll, who was just writing about larger issues of Christianity, but actually included a passage in his book about how Dylan had, you know, publicly renounced. And it's just it's just simply not true. Um, but he's you know a big part of the story, as you know, like Kasha, uh, he's a Jewish man, and you know it's a, it's an incredibly minority voice that uh, would be Jewish and believe in that Jesus is both God and Messiah. And I think sometimes those those voices are, uh, you know, those voices aren't popular. Uh, and so, and of course, with Dylan's stature going into when you heard this story through this man who sat with him at a Bible study, I mean, he'd had nearly, as you know, nearly two decades of music, his legend was more than established, and this just really threw not his entire fan base off, but definitely the 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 good majority of it off. In terms of my one of my favorite quotes is in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, in the heartland of America, in early 1980 during one of the gospel tour concerts, he was speaking between songs, and he said, you know, people used to. In the 1960s, people used to come out and say I was a prophet, and I'd say, no, I'm not. And they would say, yes, you are. (laughs) And then he said, and now I come out and say Jesus is the answer. And then people say, oh, Bob Dylan, he's no prophet. (laughs) And so anyway, I think that that little 
that little commentary between songs in that gospel tour was was pretty pretty astute. You know, only people who are like him, who are public figures, can probably appreciate something like that, where people idolize you and then they'll they'll turn on you if something doesn't uh, doesn't go sit, that. sit right with them. I, I remember Al Kasher telling me um, that because he was Jew, Al Kasher was Jewish as well, uh, a follower of Jesus, but he was uh, he was a Messianic Jew that uh, he gave Bob Dylan the key to his home in Beverly Hills, and he would come at all hours. Uh, often uh, Al Kasher would be in bed, and uh, he'd, hear, he'd hear somebody on the piano downstairs putting together the whole album, you know, and he mm-hmm. started hearing, you know, because this guy was also a songwriter himself, Kasher was, so he would listen to the the preview, in a way, of that wonderful Christian album, and um, uh, he said it was just so amazing because he felt at home because he was working on the piano of a guy who was also a songwriter and had even got a couple of Oscars for his music. So, you know, a, a very, very amazing situation going on there that this, um, probably the world's greatest songwriter and lyric writer, is downstairs composing a Christian album. I mean, did, did it sort of blow your mind that, uh, that Dylan was getting involved with uh, an evangelical group? Well, I tell you, it was, you know, at the time when I when I became aware of Dylan, it was, let's see, about seven years on, and but the more I read about what had happened, I realized that um, then and even certainly now that, you know, among the newsworthy events of his five-decade-plus career, this period is no question at the top. I mean, people talk about plugging in you know, to electric guitar with an electric band in the mid-60s, but, uh, of course, that had to do with music. This also had to do with music, but you had uh, not just a theology in the music, but you had Dylan, you know, speaking very directly through these these songs and eventually through some interviews. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it... uh, you know, it just it, it threw people for a loop. But what I would say is there's there's two things in relatively recent history that would affirm uh, this this thesis that I really put forth in the book, and 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 that would be number one. Back in 2003, there was a CD that was released by Dylan's longtime label, record label, called "Gotta Serve Somebody: The Gospel Songs of Bob Dylan." Anyway, but it was a tribute, you know, to these songs from Slow Train Coming and Save that you just mentioned that he was writing some of them in Cash's home. And anyway, uh, but they're traditional, mainly traditional gospel artists who covered these songs, and, and Dylan eventually became a part of that album and, and rewrote one of his Slow Train songs for the album, sang it with Mavis Staples. And so, again, the idea would be <laughs> that was two decades plus on, and if he had renounced his faith or if he was backslidden and he just didn't want to have to deal with that period through those songs, then why in the world would he participate in that? And then fast forward a little further, 2009, I'm sure you're aware he came out with a Christmas album, and one of the, an interview at the time, and uh, Bill Flanagan asked him, you know, after he heard Oh Little Town of Bethlehem, he says, hey, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you really sound like a true believer. And Dylan said, well, I am a true believer. And then even this year, uh, you may have heard the news, but uh, next month, Again, Dylan's label, Columbia, is coming out with the latest installment of what's called the Bootleg Series, and Dylan fans will know this is a 
multi-volume thing that's been released uh, over, since the early 90s. But anyway, the latest installment's coming out next month, and it's, gonna, it's entitled Trouble No More, and it's uh, recordings both in the studio and on stage from this very period. And so obviously this was something that Dylan is aware of and approved because it's an official release, you know. And again, these songs uh, from from this from this period that I, again I make the argument in my book that there's, you know, a reflection of his faith experience back then is still evidenced, you know, to this day. And even prior to that, he it's it certainly can be said that he was he was earnestly seeking. Uh, the things, you know, things from above. Maybe he didn't know exactly what that was, you know, f- uh, for a season uh, or two. But uh, but when he did, he certainly went public. He's a very private man, as you mentioned earlier, but he went out of his way, you know, uh, during this period to kind of take the mask off, so to speak. I think <clears throat> I heard an interview you did recently, and you mentioned about the song In the Garden, which mm-hmm. I think, Probably is my all-time favorite Dylan Christian song. Is it the same with you? Well, I tell you, it's a powerful song. In fact, when I just mentioned some of you know the recent history in terms of these songs, and what I just think is is reasonable, natural to conclude a reflection of his you know faith experience uh, to this day. Yeah, he mentioned that in the Garden song in an interview this year. In fact, it was with the same interviewer that interviewed him for the Christmas album back in '09. But anyway, it was, a, it was a wide-ranging interview. But one of the questions Bill Flanagan asked him was, you know, out of all your songs, you know, which, which one do you think didn't get the, you know, attention uh, it deserved? And I'm paraphrasing. That's more or less what he asked Dylan. And Dylan mentioned Brownsville Girl, but he also missed, mentioned, excuse me, In the Garden. And you know that gospel song is off of his album Saved, and yeah, it's a powerful song. I mean, the late Allen Ginsberg, who was Jewish like Dylan, but I think he was, he described himself as a non-theistic Buddhist, but he, he heard that song. He was aware of what happened to Dylan and at that time, and and he cited, he's publicly cited that song as a, a, a powerful song, and for those who haven't heard it, yeah, it's 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 just taken straight out of the New Testament and uh, the, the account of uh, Jesus's, you know, death and resurrection. Yeah, it's a wonderful song. We're speaking, by the way, with Scott M. Marshall. He's uh, written a book called Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life. And, um, you know, when you started writing the book, um, how did you technically do it? Had you done all the research before you actually started banging out the uh, the manuscript? Well, I, I did a, a, a bit of research, you know, a, a ton of reading. I just collected a number of books and magazine articles. And, and when the Internet come in, came in, excuse me, in a big way in the mid-'90s, I was, uh, you know, collecting files, thing I found, f- files that I found online. But, uh, you know, it's based on this series of articles that I wrote for a now-defunct website, jewsweek.com that was published in 2003 and 2004 and uh it was suggested by a friend that this could you know be put into book form and i had a number of original interviews that i conducted with folks who toured and recorded with dylan and people who crossed his path uh some just casually some more 
intimately. And so anyway, so the book really consists of a number of original interviews and uh, voices of uh, people who, you know, uh, were there, you know, around this time. Uh, but, you know, even before he came to the Lord, there's a great story of uh, Arthur Blessed, who I'm sure you're aware of. Sure. Uh, this evangelist who, you know, carried, literally has carried a cross around the world, you know, 100-plus countries, and he tells the story. I interviewed him in 2003 of of Dylan. He got word that Dylan was at this, uh, what Rolling Stone magazine said was a religious rally in 1974 in the Miami, Florida area, but uh, I would say more like a Jesus people event where Arthur Blessed was one of the speakers. Anyway, Dylan was, you know, just embarked on this tour and he had been off the road for nearly eight years, so he was in the middle of this incredibly popular tour himself. But, uh, you know, discreetly, here he was between concerts, uh, basically, you know, requesting to talk to this Arthur Blessed after the event. And Blessed said he had about a 10-minute conversation with Dylan, and Dylan pedaled up on a 10-speed bike with a hat on and <laughs> just basically asked him how... You know, he wanted to know what a real Jesus follower would say to his questions, and he wanted to know about, you know, wanted to know about God and Jesus. And Blessed said they didn't talk about rock and roll, they didn't talk about religion, they, he just, they just talked about Jesus. And then that same tour in 74, I discovered that just a few days later, Dylan was in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, the, the tour with the band was, was uh, continuing on, and former President Jimmy Carter uh, invited Dylan to the governor's mansion. He was then uh, governor of Georgia prior to him becoming president. And anyway, Dylan, uh, according to Carter, Dylan was asking him questions about his faith because he was, you know, aware that Carter uh, had faith in Jesus. And so, you know what I mean? That was five years before Slow Train coming, so it just... It shows me it was pretty evident that he was... Um, it was like building up, wasn't it? With, indeed. Uh, yes. Well, Scott, um, were you, did you try and get hold of Dylan? Was he, was he was his PR people available, or was it just they just didn't want to do it? Well, it's funny. Uh, years ago, um, I attempted to, and I did uh, get in touch with his publicist, Elliot Mintz, at the time. I'm not sure if he's still Dylan's publicist, but... He was very polite and just said that considering the subject matter, uh, that I shouldn't hold out too much hope, but he did say something along the lines of, you know, Dylan's songs speak for themselves. And uh, so anyway, that was a number of years ago, around 99, 2000, and I didn't attempt it again because I just figured the, you know, the answer... Would be the same. Uh, yeah, the answer yeah. would probably be no. And I mean, you know, I don't know if he passed on... Oh, excuse me, he did invite me to fax him questions, which I did do, and he said he would pass them on, and if I did not hear back from him, that I could assume it was a no. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't hear back from him. I mean, he was actually very, you know, polite and nice, uh, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I think that uh, with him, you know, he's, again, he's, he's an artist, as you know, he's a songwriter, he's been doing this for a number of years, and... I just think that, you know, his gift 
his gift is these songs. I mean, like that Larry Myers, the vineyard pastor who sure. traveled with Dylan a bit on the gospel tour and also was one of those guys who taught one of the vineyard discipleship classes. He, he even said back in 79 that he encouraged Dylan to sing his older songs, because for those that don't know, during this period, it was about a, a period of a year where he just did not sing any of his older songs. He was only singing his newly written gospel songs. And uh, But anyway, Larry Myers of the Vineyard, uh, who's a musician too, some years later he appeared on a Dylan album as well as far as some session work, and I, I believe they're friends. But he encouraged Dylan to, uh, you know, he said, hey, you know, he viewed Dylan's songs as God's gift and that they're about truth and truth, you know, flows from God and that he should feel free to sing them. But Dylan, even in an interview a year later, referenced how he wasn't sure at the time whether those his older songs were anti-god or not and some people even christians i've heard uh have given dylan a hard time for that thinking wow he must have been so insecure with himself but to me i thought it was incredibly vulnerable for this guy as a middle-aged man giving an interview to the los angeles times and you know he's a newborn babe and 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 christ you know as the scriptures talk about and you know, I don't know what people expect of someone, even, you know, he, he, he's such a large figure, but at the same time, he's a human being, and he was, you know, just coming into the faith, and, uh, you know, he's feeling things out or whatever, but, uh, so anyway, but yeah, there's a bunch of intriguing stories related to this. Definitely. Everything I think Dylan does, it sort of, um, you're never quite sure, is, is this a code for something, or... You know, people are always trying to unravel his lyrics and, right. you know, what on earth do they mean? What did you think when he got the Nobel Prize? Well, I tell you, I uh, I do know, I did read years ago I, uh, a professor first nominated, nominated Dylan back in 1996. So it's been a couple decades in the pipeline, but I certainly uh, did not that one coming I, I would assume it, it surprised Dylan you know a bit too um, and you know I, I know that uh, I know there's different camps as far as the whole argument about you know is Dylan a poet is it literature and this and that I, I really I just kind of observe that from the sidelines I know that he's you know I know it was an incredible you know honor no doubt and uh, there was a lot of you know brouhaha made about how he supposedly didn't respond immediately but he's the kind of guy who you know he's not on twitter you know what i mean he's not <laughs> he's not on facebook and eventually he you know he accepted the award and uh did things his way but uh but yeah i mean i think it, his body of work you have to definitely contend with it on a number of levels clearly for him to be, be awarded the nobel was uh you know was pretty incredible now if people want to get the book it's called bob dylan a spiritual life by scott m marshall how do they get a copy who's published it and where do they go to uh, to purchase a copy let's see bp books is the publisher of los angeles it's distributed by wnd books out of washington dc and you know amazon.com barnes and noble.com wndbooks.com and uh, 
it's in some select bookstores, but uh, I'm not I'm not really familiar with the, the scale of it in terms of in the brick and mortar shops. But it's definitely ready readily available. It's uh, recently published just a few now, months ago. If if people buy a copy, Scott, and read it all the way through, and I'm sure a lot of particularly Dylan fans will. What do you want them to take away from the book? I just like them to be able to appreciate this this larger than life figure that's uh, you know just contributed so much in the musical field, his his songs and just the songwriting craft, and the fact that this man is reflecting the spiritual beings that we are. I know some people would not submit to that, but uh, just from the very beginning of Dylan's career, uh, you know, arguably he had a preoccupation with uh, spiritual matters uh, as reflected in his lyrics. And this is just, this book is just uh, the story of someone, uh, of Bob Dylan, you know, searching and uh, seeking, seeking spiritual things. And again, uh, he found the answer through Jesus, and uh, it's, it was a, a huge event back in the day. I mean, he's just, again, he's just a human being, Bob Dylan is, but he, uh, this was, uh, you know, a big deal back then and e- even now. I mean, we're going to hear about a lot next month when this official release comes out, focusing on that period. But, yeah, it's just another way to look at Bob Dylan. There's been hundreds of books written on him, and this is really the only book that looks at his spiritual life from the beginning of his career to the present day. And, you know, also, again, like I said earlier, there's a number of original interviews conducted uh, along with the research I did. So that's a kind of a long-winded answer. But. <laughs> well, we've been talking with Scott M. Marshall um, about Bob Dylan, A Spiritual Life About Time. Somebody wrote a book about that. It's an extraordinary story of this um, Jewish gentleman who is probably the world's greatest um, uh, singer-songwriter. He's not such a great singer, but he's a great songwriter. And, um, you know, I want to congratulate you, Scott, for bringing this book out. And again, uh, the the name of the book is Bob Dylan's Spiritual Life, and they should go. Is it? Uh, yeah, WND Books. Yes, yeah. it's available there and uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being on the program, and again, well done for bringing this book out. Well, listen, thank you for having me. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News Service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station.